All right, first episode of the Steves and People podcast. Tanya, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great, and I'm super excited to finally release this project out into the world. What do you think, Vitor? I feel the exact same way. We've been working on it for a while, and I'm just super excited to get started and put this out there. And there's no better way to start than with this interview because it was so awesome getting to know Laura from、uh, the Fab Pad. Yeah, Laura is the owner of the Fab Pad Vintage and Antique Shop on Moncton Street. And for anyone who doesn't know about this store, you would recognize it in a second if you if you walk by. It's this beautiful old brick building, and the what I love about walking by there is the window displays that are always changing, and it's just perfectly displayed and designed by Laura. Yeah, and she had so much knowledge about everything. It seemed like <laughs> what it's like being a business owner. Um, what it means to be part of the Stevenson community, just so much. And she was so honest too about how hard it is for retail businesses right now. But I also appreciated a lot of her wisdom and her advice on how to really survive and make it in this game of retail. That's that's so hard right now. So I really appreciated that that she was just super honest about. What her experience is, but she was also very helpful as well in offering useful advice. Yeah, and besides being very helpful, this interview was also a little bit spooky. Yes, it did take a bit of a spooky turn. Do you、yeah. want to give the listeners a little clue well, about? If you are from Stevenson, have you ever wondered: Is there the ghost of a little boy that circles around? Moncton Street. Have you ever thought that? Yes. Is Steveston Village haunted? Find out on the first episode of the Steveston People Podcast. Um. All right. Welcome everybody to the Steveston People Podcast. Here today we have Laura. Hello.、Uh, hi, Laura. <laughs>、uh, Tanya, would you like to describe where we are、oh, right now? Wow.、Uh... Well, there's like ticking clocks. There's a lot of ticking clocks,、mm-hmm. and there's a lot of furniture, and、mm-hmm. it, it smells like vintage. It smells vintage. Yeah, it definitely has the has that. It's like a homey. Yes,、yeah, a homey smell. Yeah, it invites you in. Yeah, very nostalgic. <laughs> so we are at the Fab Pad Vintage and Antique Shop on Moncton Street in Steveston Village. All right, welcome, Laura. Um, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. We're this is actually the first in store interview that we're doing too. Oh,、so、right on. A lot of exciting things happening today. Nice.、Um, so I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the Fab Pad, how how it started. If you want to tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah.、Um, uh, my husband and I got married in 2012, and we were looking for some new furniture, and we decided that we wanted to go with、um, all vintage pieces and mid-century. And、um, I'd always had an interest in antiques and、uh, vintage pieces as well, and、um, we started looking. And I realized that my hometown of Steveston didn't have a shop that offered those sorts of things. I was looking for a career change at the time, and decided to pursue、uh, my passion for all things old.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Did that start like with a love for your mom, and then you were like, "I love old things." <laughs> yeah. Right. If she hears that, she'll have a fit.、Yeah. <laughs> no, it was just antiques in general. I always loved antiques, so yeah. Why is that? Do you want to 
Um, I'm not really sure. I think it's just a fascination with things that are from the past that other people used once upon a time. And, um, uh, you know, that, that connection back to people that you can't, you know, necessarily see anymore, but they were still there. Their essence is still in that, in that item that they used and that can continue to be used throughout the years in your own life, um, maybe in a different way or maybe in the same way, but it's still, has purpose today and I think there's a lot of nostalgia um, and a lot of charm imbued into those items okay so like you think the history adds to, to the essence of the item yeah absolutely for sure yeah yeah and it's just I think it's just fascinating to look at a piece and wonder what its story was too in somebody's home it's just something you don't get with a brand new piece you know from Ikea or something it clearly just came from a factory it ended up in a warehouse and that's that but anything in here would have been in somebody's home before. It would have, you know, um, been used and loved at some point. And it's always kind of a fun thing to think about what its life might have been. Okay. Wow. Um, are you a big fan of thrifting then? I think I was. Um, now it's it's changed a lot. I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. And um, it used to be more of a treasure hunt. Now it's very, very picked over. If there's anything at all that you find, it's usually quite pricey as well because people are more aware now than they were when we first started, which is a good thing. But um, yeah, honestly, I, I do you know still love it, but it's um, it's pretty it's it's not it's not as rewarding, shall we say, as it used to be. Um, but I still believe in it as, um, something that's really good for the planet and a lot of more people should be thrifting items because um, obviously I think we've kind of reached peak stuff here in the world and we don't necessarily need to be going out and buying new things. If you go to any thrift store and you just see how unbelievably packed full they are of things like even t-shirts and you know dishes and everything else, it's kind of like why do you ever need to buy anything new? It's pretty much all here. So um, in the spirit of it, yes, it's still definitely, you know, um, a thrifter at heart for sure, but not for, so much for the shop, but for my own personal life. Right. Hmm. So when you go to a thrift store, like since this is your job, you probably go in there with like an eye for things. You probably. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're always kind of looking for something, but like I said, it's pretty few and far between these days. And unfortunately, I just don't have a lot of time to do it. So we rely more on like auctions, estate sales. We have a network of pickers that keep an eye out for us and that kind of thing. So we really rely more on them than anything else. Yeah. Cool. And you were telling us a little bit about uh, journalism, that you, that you went to school for that? I did. Like a million years ago, I went to journalism. Yeah. Um, I did journalism at Langara for two years, and then I followed that up with two years of photography at, at Langara as well. So I was actually a professional photographer for 11 years before I moved on to this. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you did already have like a background in the arts? Not, not in that way. No, just in photography, really, more than anything. But, um, and that has highly influenced... Um, what I do here and having the photography background has been really, really useful because, you know, obviously you're representing your products online and photographing them in um, a way that really represents them well is super important. So it's been helpful that way for sure. And in merchandising, making the store look good and um, cohesive, it's definitely uh, feeds back into composing a, a good photo as well. Well, um, we're in your store right now and just from looking around you do have like an aesthetic going right mm -hmm. um 
we also seen like a little bit of the behind the scenes, I think on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, what's your philosophy in terms of like keeping your store so stylish? Like, um, the philosophy is um, everything that isn't finished or um, anything that's a mess gets thrown in the back behind a curtain and nobody sees it. Okay. That's, that's pretty much what it is. Mm -hmm. um, keep it tidy as much as possible. We also have an attic upstairs too which is the polar opposite of what downstairs is here. Um, I mean, not completely. It is organized to some degree, but that's where we have all of our extra lamps, our art, um, everything else is up there, and there's a lot of room up there, and it's it's a little bit chaotic, as is our back room. Our back room is only about 60 square feet, so it is stacked for sure. Yeah, so what you see here on the opposite side, on the, on the show side, is very different from what's going on uh, behind the scenes. Um, yeah, that's kind of crazy because you come in here and it, like it's, it's so curated everything, right? And I guess that kind of ties into your, what your business is. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's very cool. And how how much work is you know happening behind the scenes? Honestly, it never ends. I go home, I work, I wake up, I work. Mm -hmm. um, you never really stop when it's your own business. You kind of just keep going over and over and over again, even if it's just to like you know, research a couple of items that are sort of mystery items to you, or even if it's to plan out the next month's window display or anything like that. It's just, it's always a never ending thing. So, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. As long as you can manage it and have a bit of balance and you're passionate about it, then it's okay. Um, but certainly um, doing this job, I work far more hours than I ever did as a photographer. Um, it's, it's really very much an all consuming thing, but if I didn't love it, then I wouldn't do it. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, and how did you discover that love for restoring old items? Um, I think it was probably a lot watching my dad build things at home. Like he's very, um, very much a handyman, very like crafty. He can pretty much build or fix anything. So I was always kind of inspired by watching him do those things, build those things. He was good at art. He was good at all those things. So, um, and he also, I think, taught me an appreciation for things that were old or antique as well. Um, we did a trip to the UK when I was a kid, and I think seeing all the old buildings and the castles and stuff really inspired me there. But um, certainly doing the work, the actual physical work here, uh, a lot of that definitely came from seeing my dad work on things and um, I think just a natural inclination towards being crafty and handy definitely came from him. Mm, I see. All right. And um, you talked about seeing kind of like a necessity for a store that, that sold these things in Stevenson. Mm -hmm. um, where were you born? Are you from here? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I was like born and raised about five minutes down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Which high school did you go to? Oh gosh, now that's really going to date me because I went to Hugh Boyd when it was a junior high and then I went to Steveston when it was a senior high. So that was before they had changed them all to senior high schools. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I went to Hugh Boyd. Oh, did you? Right yeah. on. So did my sister too. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the village? What do you like about the village? I mean, I've always... I've always liked Stevenson Village. I've seen it in many different phases having grown up here. I've seen it from being like sort of a really true fisherman's village to sort of becoming this more boutique center with the fishing aspect. Um, to me, I find it very special. I mean, I've lived in a few other areas in the lower mainland and there's really not too many places like this around. So 
I like it and appreciate it for it being historical, being um, unique in that it's got such a, an interesting and varied history with the fishing industry. Um, it's very multicultural. It's got obviously the beautiful scenery and everything as well. So you really can't replicate that, I don't think, anywhere else. Um, and one of my favorite things to do is like walking at night. I love walking down uh, the boardwalk by Britannia shipyards and just thinking about what life was like way back in the day when it was, you know, fully functioning and everything then. And it's still, despite all the tourists, despite all the people and everything, it still really has that magic in that area. So, yeah. Right. I want to go back to that, but just um, from hearing you speak so far, it seems like you have like a fascination for history. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always interested in history for sure. Cool. And um, I've heard the village described as um, like a place that has a little bit of a conflict with like its past and like trying to be like a trendy place and like the mixing of the two. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I think that's a very valid um thing to say but at the same time like everything evolves everything changes so um you know that's just the way that it is I think you can still have a good marriage of um a boutique sort of atmosphere and still have the tradition of fishing and everything as well which I still think is very important to the village too so I don't think that the things are mutually exclusive at all I think that you can have them in the same the same area and everything as well um yeah, I, I, I still think that they're part and parcel of the whole place. Right. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, Tanya, if you wanted to add to this, but um, I feel like um, I've, only, I've only been here for like four or five years, but like in this time you can, there's always like almost like a, a balance that like keeps shifting, right? Like sometimes it's a, it feels more historic, sometimes it feels a little more trendy, mm -hmm. and it goes like back and forth a little bit. Um, what do you think, Tanya? Yeah, I think it goes back and forth. Um, there's, I think there's a lot of pride in the history, um, and especially I think like in the summertime when you see there's a lot of tourists around. They're they're coming and you know we're with the kids. We're walking you know along the waterfront all the time, and so we get to see a lot of the historical stuff. But I also feel like yeah, it, it it's evolving, but it's it's a little odd too to see. A lot of businesses popping up but then they're closing at the same time so that's right it's kind of at, in this kind of strange like place i think in terms of the evolution and i think i mean to me personally as a business owner i think that could be said of a lot of places right now i see a lot of closures in vancouver and elsewhere too um even two of my competitors are closing up shop as the end of um, june and i think that's I think that's maybe, I, it does happen for sure in a place like this. You see businesses come and go all the time. But I think it's really um, uh, emphasized right now because of the economy situation that we're in. I think if the economy was better, we would see more strength and more businesses sticking around. But right now, it's like a real struggle to sort of, you know, especially start a business then maintain a business and everything because the economy has not rebounded like we thought it would after COVID. So I'm seeing a lot of people struggling. So... Yeah, I think that definitely is a big influence, not just here, but everywhere at the moment. Yeah, so yeah. I have two questions yeah. to that. Um, first, do you think that, um, I guess where things are going, people are, look. there's more a consciousness towards sustainability. Is that helping um, your business? And number two, um, with so many places not making it and not being able to stay in business, what do you think 
that Steveston needs to like add to, you know, the merchants add to the the commercial area here that do you think will be sustainable for the population here? Well, I think um, definitely people are more conscious about um, uh, sustainability and everything, and they are looking to vintage shops for that for sure. Um, so I do think that definitely is a big factor. People are more and more aware of um, things like fast fashion and, you know, to some degree, fast furniture and whatnot as well. So it definitely plays a role um, for us. But um, having said that, I mean, what would be a good addition to the village? I think we could probably see possibly a vintage clothing shop might be good. Um, other things that are maybe a little bit more uh, niche, I think, because I think that's really where retail is headed. If you're going to have a brick and mortar, I think your shop really has to be an experience. It can't just be another shop. It's got to be an experience and it's got to be very specialized. Um, it has to be something that people need to come in and see and feel rather than just, you know, something you can purchase on Amazon or, or Wayfair or whatever. So. It has to be very specialized, and I think we have some excellent examples of that already in the village. Um, we've got Nikaido, which is a perfect example of that. We've got Steveston's Best of British, another perfect example of that. Um, and lots of um, other places that really do a great job of, of owning in on a particular sort of genre and um, playing to those strengths. And I would like to see more of that in the village. Um, I also like that we're getting some uh, restaurants with different types of cuisine too that are really specialized. I think that's a good thing as well. So yeah, definitely variety, but also niche, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so talking about your niche, uh, what, what are your clients like? What's the clientele that comes here? Uh, we get uh, quite a variety of people. We get, uh, you know, anyone from our, um, you know, our Gen Zers all the way up to our boomers kind of things. So yeah, we get we get a lot of empty nesters. We get um, you know this also people in their twenties and and whatnot. So it's kind of all over the place. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So there's no specific demographic. Not a lot, but I would say the vast majority probably fall into the age range of maybe say forties to mid fifties would be my guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And um, just talking about the village a little more um previous guests like something that often comes up and that we like to talk about is um what's special about steveston right because um i live here tanya lives here and now we found out that you live here too um we really think that like there's something about steveston in terms of community that you don't see in many other places being a business owner um what are your thoughts on that uh yeah i mean i i do think that there is a nice sense of community here for sure um you know, we get a lot of people when we put up a new window display, they just pop their head in to say, oh, we love your new window display. It looks great. And like, that's something that I really appreciate and is really sweet. Um, we do get a lot of support from the community as well. And like many of our customers are local customers, which we love our locals, obviously. So, yeah, I definitely appreciate that. I think it's um, very diverse here, which is something that I like. And um I think it's a very opening and welcoming community. And I mean, I've been, like I said, I've lived in other places and it definitely hasn't been the same experience. And that's why I kept coming back. Like I said, I was born and raised here. So mm -hmm. it's definitely why I've kept coming back. Yeah. What do you mean it wasn't the same? Um, it feels more, okay, well, I hate to slam Surrey, but I did live in South Surrey for a while. And there's a lot more sprawl. 
it's not like contained into this like smaller area you don't have like a central sort of little village or downtown that you can go to it's just sprawl and you have to get on a highway kind of to go anywhere so I didn't feel that same sense of community there it felt very fragmented here it definitely feels more like this little collective and that's something that I kind of appreciate right mm-hmm. um I worked at the the toy store just next oh, door, yeah, yeah. and uh, I don't know if you remember. But often we would come here to like give you paper. Yes, of course, I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what is the relationship like between the business owners? Do you guys all know each other? Um, I would say for the most part, yeah. I mean, I I know um, Splash quite well, obviously, and uh, Nikaido, um, Scout and Company across the way, Seppos. You know, I take my car there all the time. Juvelisto, amazing, amazing people there. We take all our vintage jewelry there to be cleaned, repaired, everything. They do awesome work. Um, Lenny over at Steveston, Best of British, and the candy shop. Um, also owns the salon, too. Um, yeah, no, I mean, there's there's lots of people that we know in the immediate area, and we all try and support each other. We communicate a lot about what's going on. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a very supportive place in terms of um, small businesses. Cool. Mm-hmm. And when like a new business shows up, like do you guys usually try like to talk to them? What, what's what's that process? Because like? there's a lot of stores that are very old here, right? Yeah. Um, I can't imagine what it's like having business pop up all the time. It depends. I mean, if it's within our area, then for sure. Sometimes, you know, we'll try and go and say hi. But honestly, like it kind of goes back to, you know, running this place. It's just all consuming, um, especially right now, too, because like we're dealing with a time where the economy is really slow um, and people are struggling and there's only two of us that work here, it's very difficult to sort of keep up with everything and then try to do the extracurricular stuff. And that is something that concerns me because I feel like with the way that things are going right now, it's also gonna affect community because people are struggling. So it's very difficult to have time to reach out and make those connections and also um, sort of work on building the community too when you're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that took a dark turn. No, that's okay. But that ties into a question <laughs> I, I had as to, I guess, what is your vision for the future of your store and how can this community support you in achieving those things? I mean, my vision for the store is, um, I think what we're trying to do and what we have been trying to do for the past couple of years is to refine our product more and more and more so that we're offering the very best of what we think we can offer. So the very best in terms of um, the vintage and antiques that we have, and also things that are interesting and that you can't find anywhere else. So we've been trying to refine it as much as possible down to those elements. Um, And I think we're gonna continue to do that um, because we want our customers to be surprised, we want them to be engaged, we want them to be intrigued by the things that we have. Um, And that means, I think, offering things that are different from what other vintage shops have. So that's definitely our vision for down the road. Um, as an odd side note, I'm also taking a course in uh, taxidermy restoration, antique taxidermy restoration, because as you can see, we do have an antique taxidermy section here in the shop, which is part of our sort of niche thing that we offer. And people do actually come in specifically to see it, believe it or not. Um, so that's something that I'm hoping to uh, get better at and um, sort of own those skills more and more, and then eventually you know, offer that more as a service. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So you're, you're still trying to expand more like what you guys, the reach of the shop. Yeah. Or I guess the interesting thing is expanding, but maybe expanding in, um, 
kind of a vacuum in a way because you're expanding into this very tiny little sort of niche thing that you know nobody else really does so, so yeah becoming expanding. distinct like having a distinction yeah sure that's that would be a good way to put it yeah hmm. and this is a little um off topic but we talked hmm. about you know things from the past and like keeping that do you believe in vibes and like things like objects having like energy i've been asked that a lot and um you know people have said like do you ever you know feel something from a, a an item or do you think you know you've ever taken anything home with and you know what i have to be honest i've never felt a thing i'm not particularly tuned into that stuff um i guess some people are but and i i don't disagree that you know there's uh you know an afterlife and you know spirits and all that but i have never felt a thing right. from any of them other than just like appreciating this beautiful object for what it is but no, I've never noticed. And even this very building is supposed to be haunted. Mm -hmm. And again, I've never noticed anything. Is this the same building as like Splash? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, all the Hepworth building. Yeah. It's definitely haunted. I know that for a fact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen some pretty scary things. Happen. What have you seen? I've seen puzzles flying off shelves. Really? Yeah, I've seen that once. It was very strange. We were just all like there and then a puzzle like just went. I was like, how does that happen? Really? That was the strangest thing I probably like. Because I was like looking directly at it. So that was very weird. Um, the door slams from time to time, but that's just the wind. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've, I've been told that there's supposedly the spirit of a little boy that runs up and down the hallway upstairs, but I've never heard anything. I've been in the attic like late at night before, you know, crawling around and it gets a bit creepy up there, but not like that much. And I don't know. I mean, I've I've spent overnight in here because I've um, there have been uh, filming going on and you have to stay in the shop to be like a liaison for the film crew kind of thing. So sometimes those have gone all night. Haven't noticed anything. But again, I don't think I'm particularly in tune to that. I certainly wouldn't doubt it because the building was built in 1913. And of course, it burned in 1918. We're actually the only shop in the row of shops that still has the original pillar with the burn mark in it from 1918, yeah, which is um, over there by our desk. But um, so, real quick, mm -hmm. I might be uneducated in that fire. What happened? Can you can you tell a little bit about that? You know what? I have to be honest and say that I don't remember exactly what started the fire, but um, I know that it spread through the whole village and it basically burned everything except this building. And even this building, like I saw the pictures of it after, it was there wasn't. I mean, it was still standing, but it certainly wasn't, you know, fully intact by any means. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly, there's a section in the attic upstairs that we refer to as the abyss. It's not finished. It's just kind of a random open area over on one side that's kind of closed off. And it still has the original tin tiles in there from when it was first built. And they're still actually intact and everything. And I think a lot of the attics and other um, stores have them still too. But... Because of the fire, there was a whole pile of tin tiles up there that had come off the ceiling and also through renovations and whatnot too. So what we did is we took them downstairs, we cleaned them all off and everything, and then we um, painted them and gilded them with a bit of gold paint, and they now form the feature wall that's at the back of our shop there. So we've brought a little bit more of the history down so that everybody wow. can enjoy it. Wow. Yeah. Do people know that? A lot of people ask, yeah, right. like, what are those, were, you know, were they part of the building? And then mm -hmm. I tell a story and everything. Because so. that's very cool. Yeah. And I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. Well, we really wanted to um, kind of bring them to light a little bit so everybody could see them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. Um, and just about you a little more. You said that you're always doing work all the time, but let's say you have free time. Um, what do you like doing? What are your hobbies? If except for like taxidermy. Um, you know, my husband asks me that all the time. Why don't you get a hobby? Why don't you get a hobby? And I'm like, well, I'm doing my hobby kind of. So it's difficult for me to come up with anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah, I, I garden, I guess, okay. kind of. Um, I'm not very good at it, but I do that. Mm-hmm. I do, I have cats, so um, I don't really know if they're a hobby, but they're they're uh, there. And um, I have a, a crested gecko, so I look after his vivarium and him and everything, and, and dart frogs would look after those guys as well. So, um, yeah, I guess it's a funny thing about business owners. I, I don't know that a lot of us have hobbies so much anymore um but other than that you know i mean i have two questions yeah. two follow-ups and one is a little more depressing and one is more lighthearted you can pick <laughs> what do you, do you want the lighthearted or like the more serious question i don't question? mind go for it okay so the serious question is um for a lot of people um turning their like hobby into work kind of makes your hobby work right um have you found that to be true yeah, absolutely. There are days when I hate it, for sure. Yeah. I'll freely admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's something that you really, truly do love, it still drives you, no matter what, to do it. Like, it still drives you to care. And um, that's something that you can't change. If it's sort of, like, just embedded into you, you just, it's it's like breathing. You really can't stop doing it. So... I think that's just, you know, whether you, you know, everybody has days that are bad and and days that they're not happy with their choices and whatnot, but sooner or later, you just keep going forward, especially when it's something that you really do care about and that you really do love. I mean, even just as an example for the, the trip to England that we're doing for the course, everything else that I'm doing is like, visiting old stuff, going to museums, you know, going to antique shops, like that kind of thing. It's still all sort of, it is work-related, but it's still the stuff that I'm actually passionate about. So it sounds like, you know, what you do really represents who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about maybe before you started the store? Like, did you love what you did? Um, Did you have that same drive and passion? I did. Yeah, I did. I loved photography at the time when I did it and everything. Um, I think it just reached a certain period of like burnout and wanting a change to some degree. But I did love that job um, in terms of the creativity and everything as well. But it was a stressful job and it was changing a lot the industry due to like what I think has become the commodification of the image in terms of like Instagram, Facebook and everything. You're just bombarded by images all the time. So it's difficult to stand out as a professional photographer. And I think um, moving forward into this career, that was something that I was acutely aware of is that I needed to be able to stand out against the other vintage shops that are out there and even just the other small shops in general. We had to be different um, and we had to be special. So that's something that I'm still working on even 10 years later. And what, what type of photography were you doing before? Weddings and portraits. Okay. Yeah. Wow. 
cool. <laughs> um, well, the, the like-hearted question that I wanted to ask is about your gardening. Because I feel like um, I can kind of see like a pattern, like taking care of things that, you know, were owned by people before. And gardening is like very much like a, you know, earth thing. Mm -hmm. um, do you see, like, is that is that connection real? Like, do you care, um, is like preserving the earth and like making use of... of um, natural like resources like that is that something that that you think about yeah absolutely I mean um I'm not a, I don't have a particularly good green thumb in terms of growing vegetables and stuff but I try um in terms of the actual like garden and everything you know I like tending it I like you know um making it look better growing things seeing things thrive although that doesn't happen very often because the <laughs> aforementioned lack of a green thumb mm -hmm. but um yeah, it's, it's definitely something, uh, you know, I, I think it's the same reason why so many people love gardening is watching things grow and watching things thrive and making them, you know, um, do well. Um, I think I also just like engaging with nature too. Um, just as an example, out on our green chives that we are growing, there was a huge ball of baby spiders. Most people would be totally grossed out by that, but my husband and I were like, oh, look at the baby spiders, they're so cute. Oh my God, look at them. And it's stuff like that that we really enjoy. I think so it gets us engaged in being just outdoors in our little environment and seeing, you know, um, what's going on. I think a lot of people miss what's right under their noses. And when you really get down to sort of a micro level, you can see how many things are actually happening within one small little space. Right. That kind of sounds like your business, too. You're kind of yeah, absolutely. Down on a micro level and, and exploring that deeper and looking at the details within it and being distinct in that way yeah absolutely for sure and that's why like definitely everything that we put on the shelves there's thought that goes into it yeah just like there would be in a garden it's like well I'm going to plant this here and then this animal is having this kind of symbiosis with this and you know that kind of thing yeah hmm. well Laura thank you so much for doing this interview any last thoughts or anything you want to say to the announcements people announcements or yeah, yeah. plugs uh, no I want to thank you both for having me for sure and um, I just want to tell folks out there if you love your small businesses uh, keep supporting them because otherwise they're not going to stick around we definitely need people to come on in we need them to buy uh, we need the support right now it's it's a rough time for a lot of people and uh, the more that you can do even if it's just a little bit it's so appreciated um, so please support your small businesses. Uh, all of us would really appreciate it. And um, thank you to the community of Steveston. Yeah, absolutely. And where can we find um, your stuff? Like what, what's your website? What's your mm -hmm. Instagram? Yeah, we're online, uh, www.thefabpad.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Fabpad Vintage. Very cool. So everybody go check it out um, and come in here, see like everything that's going on. It's a very cool store just to, to look around too. Every little corner, there's something interesting. For the At eyes. the very least, yeah, come and see our zebra leg lamp. <laughs> it's a real zebra leg. And it's a lamp. All right, you heard it here first, folks. Go check out that zebra lamp. Before it walks out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you with the dad jokes. I love a good dad joke. I'm sorry. But speaking of dads, I really liked how Laura talked about the influence that her father had on her, um, of appreciating all things old and antique and just being a, a handyman. Um, it makes me think about 
how parents have so much influence on on where a child's career can end up yeah no a lot of people are seeking that deep you know sense of self and where can i find my passion but a lot of the time um it's in your home it is in your home yeah and your parents are a big part of that and i personally see that in my own life and i'm sure your children are gonna have you know careers that kind of reflect a little bit what they see in their own homes yeah it's i think it's gonna be really cool to see as they grow up um what they're gonna be getting into and and where they're gonna be going in their their future careers and and just looking back and and reflecting on hmm like did I have an influence on that? Maybe one day they'll have a podcast about Steve's thing. And I'll be a guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the first episode of the Steve's Thin People podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about the amazing people in this community, such as your neighbors, uh, the business owners around here, and the talented artists, Head to stevestonpeople.com and you'll find plenty of articles that talk about all kinds of amazing people that you probably see all the time just walking around. That's right. You'd be surprised how many incredibly talented people are just hanging around, drinking coffee around the village. Also, make sure to check out the Instagram page, which is at stevestonpeople, and come back next week at the very same time for another episode of this podcast. Or you can come back anytime because this is not radio. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And we'll see you around. (laughs) And we'll see you around the (laughs) building.